Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Radio Elevate. So glad to have you today. My name is Cody Fair and we are Elevate Youth Ministry out of Cross Point Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee. We got a great episode in line for you today. Hey, very special guest going to be stopping by at the end of the episode for an interview just like we do every week. We're going to have the lead pastor of Cross Point Church, Greg Dobler, going to be joining us later today. But first, we're going to get started out with some great worship just like we do each and every week. So join us right now. Get ready for some worship as we start out with Casting Crowns and the Well. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. I have what you need. But you keep on searching I've done all the work But you keep on working When you're running on empty And you can't find the remedy Just come to the well You can spend your whole life Chasing what's missing but that empty inside You just ain't gonna listen When nothing can satisfy And the world leaves you high and dry Just come to the well And all who thirst will thirst no more And all who search will find what their souls long for The world will try But it can never fail So leave it all behind And come to the will So bring me your heart No matter how broken Just come as you are when your last prayer is spoken Just rest in my arms a while You'll feel the change, my child When you come to the will It's all who thirst will thirst no more And all who search will find What their souls long for The world will try
got a song that'll just get you up and moving even if you don't want to join me and mercy me as we do grace god have you ever met those who keep humming when the song's through it's like they're living life to a whole different tune and have you ever Monumental like the Eiffel Uncontrollable, let the joy flow through Ha ha Giddy over pity, pretty please Let me see your hands in the air with you out your seats Warm it up, let go, shout it out Celebrate when you can't articulate Just say amazing grace The second you realize What you have 
church band and their song Your Mercy.
around because right after this break we're going to continue with our series read as we continue to look at the sermon on the mount this week we're going to be right back into the fifth and the sixth beatitude as we discuss have mercy hey radio elevate this is matt worship pastor here at crosspoint church man what a great opportunity it is to spend time with you here on radio elevate what a great platform and opportunity that you have to share with your friends and your family, the good news of the gospel brought to you by Elevate Student Ministry. Cody and the team have done a fantastic job leading you in this ministry. We're excited about what they're going to be able to do through Radio Elevate. I hope you enjoy it. I know I'm looking forward to it. Join with me as we listen together this new lesson on Radio Elevate. There are two words that I really want to take a focus on, and those two words are mercy and purity. You know, mercy is a word that in today's world we've kind of lost the meaning of. We sort of know what mercy is, and we hear the word, but do we ever really dive into that word and see what the meaning of it actually demonstrates? Technically, mercy is a noun. It's a person, a place, or a thing. But really, when we look at mercy from a biblical standpoint, mercy is a verb. It requires an action. You know, we've all seen Full House and we've heard Uncle Jesse say, have mercy. Or we've heard somebody use the phrase, I'm at the mercy of, 
insert any object or person here, but are they really at the mercy of something in this world? Probably not, because luckily we live day by day under grace and the mercy of God. Now, the second word we're going to dive into a little bit later is purity, and it, that's something that comes to mind when we think of something as being right or something that's perfect. We think of something as being pure as something without flaw or, in a personal standpoint, as something without sin. Now, do you think of yourself as pure, or do you think of others as pure? You know, on the surface, wouldn't being pure require us to be perfect? Today we're going to discuss all this as God continues to add so much clarity to the living to living a godly life through the Sermon on the Mount and through the Beatitudes. Today we're going to be in Matthew 5 verses 7 through 8 and the 5th and the 6th Beatitudes. So let's go ahead and kick it off with Matthew 5 7 that says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, let's look at the definition of mercy, which is compassionate forgiveness of an offender. So, why is it important to show and extend mercy? The easy answer is because God told us to, but let's think about something for a second. Are you perfect? When you're in the wrong, do you not seek forgiveness and mercy? Well, of course you do, especially if it's somebody that you truly care about and their opinion means something to you. We seek forgiveness and we seek grace all the time. I mean, God clearly demonstrated that he's merciful when he forgave us at the cross. And if our path as a Christian is to reflect God, should we not extend the same mercy that he extended to us. Our hearts, they're sinful though. So forgiveness is just not something that comes easy to us. So what are our options when it comes to mercy? Well, we can either extend our compassion and give mercy, or we can write somebody off. Now, let's look at the word compassion for just a second. Compassion is the sympathetic concern for others' misfortune or their suffering. And have you ever thought that someone needs to be extended your mercy because they might be suffering too? Whatever wrong they've committed against you, they could very well have done it thinking that they were doing the right, the right thing. Sometimes, the just and the right thing to do is all about where you are and what lens and what perspective you're looking at a situation through. The thing here is that neither person, the offender or the defender, is probably have the right answer or the right judge to what is right or wrong. So when we think about it, who are we? Or Let's put this in first-person terms so that we can relate this statement a little better. Who am I to judge and not forgive and to not extend mercy? You know, not offering mercy is completely selfish, it's intolerant, and it's wrong. It's not up to us to judge somebody else's wrong, even if that wrong was done against us. It's up to us to extend compassion and journey with other people because we're all sinners, we're all offenders, and we all seek and we all need that same mercy. 
Let's look just a little bit ahead in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and let's look a little bit into Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2, and it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged by. The thing about when we're making a decision to show mercy or to not show mercy is that that judgment and forgiveness are based on our personal standard. Now, when we do this, we're not basing that on God's standard. Our standard will forever be flawed. I used to work in management for a restaurant, and so many corporate policies or management training exercises use the term MTS, and that stands for Model the Standard. And although it's excellent training, it's excellent leadership, and it's excellent practice, it's also a valuable practice that we can utilize in our Christian life. Thing is, We just have to have our hierarchy and what matters uh, in the right place. If we utilize our own standard, then we're judging and we're being judged by what we perceive as right and wrong in somebody else's offense. However, when we step back and we put God first, which is where he belongs 100% of the time anyway, then we can use the same model to stand to that theory. See, At this point, we're putting our own opinion aside and we're practicing what God modeled for us to do, and that is extending mercy and extending compassion. You see, mercy is a two-way street. Oftentimes, we want to be granted mercy for our own wrongdoing, but we're not so quick to forgive. This next statement's important. You do not always know where someone is in their life or their personal journey with God. Their offense towards you may have been, at the least in their mind, their only option. It's important that we're quick to forgive and offer that mercy, even if the offender does not know that we have forgiven them. For example, and petty as this example may be, think about somebody cutting you off in traffic. Now, I don't know what it is about driving or being in a vehicle, but the stress level goes up about a thousand percent whenever we step into a vehicle. So somebody cuts you off and immediately you feel that anger and that road rage start boiling up inside you. And even if you don't know the person that cuts you off in traffic, It's important to offer mercy and forgive that driver. They're probably a lunatic anyway. Uh, What if that person's spouse had just been in an awful accident and this person was speeding to the hospital to check on him? Now, we don't know all the details of that person's journey, so we need to extend that mercy. Now, back to that two-way street thing. What if you're the crazy driver in the situation and it's you that's rushing to the hospital to see somebody that's been in an accident? See, you would expect that same mercy from the other drivers on the road, especially if it's one of those drivers as a cop and they see you're crazy driving. Just as we would expect mercy from others, we need to extend that same mercy. So, 
what areas of your life do you have difficulty showing mercy in? You know, I think a lot of times that boils down to who they are and why we need to forgive them in the short place. Now, here's the short answer. It does not matter who they are. We should always forgive them each and every time. That's not always so easy, though. You know, for me personally, I always have a hard time forgiving somebody that makes poor decisions. I find it incredibly difficult to be sympathetic with somebody that makes poor decisions when it comes to drug abuse or makes poor decisions with their money or somebody that openly sins and has no conviction about those sins. The thing is, though, just like we mentioned earlier, it's not my place, it's not your place, it's not anybody's place to judge the wrongdoing or the offense or the sin of others. That's God's job, not mine. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You know, if, if this law was being rewritten today, it would really replace the word Israelite with the word fellow believer. I am not the Lord. God is the Lord, and our jobs are very different. In a work-like sense, God is the boss. He has all the power, and he has all the authority. And his power and his authority, authority like we just stu- discussed, is just and it's right. It's up to me to follow his example and his lead, not create my own example and my own lead. God is the standard in which we should follow. Now, my job is compassion and mercy, not judgment. In our last series, Best Year Ever, we discussed the entire life of Joseph. And in a very short review, Joseph demonstrated forgiveness and mercy to his brothers, the same brothers that plotted to kill him and decided it was better to sell him into slavery. And by doing this, he became a slave, he became a prisoner, but ultimately he became the ruler of Egypt. And when we had the chance to abandon his brothers, he or he had the chance to get revenge, he ultimately chose to forgive and he followed God's leave and chose forgiveness and mercy. Now, if you hadn't yet, I urge you to go back and take a li- uh, listen to the lesson called Fighter Forgiveness. And that, we dive a lot deeper into that story. But here, the main point is this. Joseph, just like we should, chose mercy and to have mercy. We need to be compassionate and we need to be forgiving. Up next, we're going to take a look at purity and we'll do that right after this break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Radio Elevate. This is Matt, worship pastor here at Cross Point Church. I hope you're enjoying this lesson. I want to give you an opportunity to give to Radio Elevate, a ministry of Elevate Student Ministries of Cross Point Church. You can text the word GIVE to 423-467-5311. That's 423-467-5311. And you can become a partner with Radio Elevate. Enjoy this lesson. Chapter 5, verse 8 says, 
God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Now, do you view yourself as someone that is pure in heart, or do you look at yourself as someone that has a sinner's heart? That heart that's full of desire and temptation, and it just doesn't really line up with what God has called us to do. Yeah, me too. The good news here is that we're not alone in that. There's plenty of heroes in the Bible that dealt with an unpure heart just like I do and just like you do. Matthew was a tax collector. Judas was a thief. Moses was a murderer. Moses, he liked to drink quite a bit. And David was an, an adulterer. We all have that sinner's heart, but can sinner's heart still be pure? Well, to further look into that, let's look at 1 John 1 verse 8, and it says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. See, it's foolish to believe that our heart is sinless. Our heart has been full of sin ever since the day that Adam and Eve ate from that tree in the garden. Jesus was the only person to live that ever had a sinless heart. And he did have a bit of advantage over us since, you know, he was God and all. So, does being what does being pure in heart actually look like? Well, the definition of purity in a worldly sense is something that is free from alteration or contamination. The thing is, the worldly definition and the biblical definition look just a little bit different. A biblical definition of purity, believe it or not, is a little less strict, and I would alter that definition just a little bit and say that a biblical definition of purity is the desire to be free of alteration or contamination. Now, being pure in heart looks a little different than your heart being perfect. You know, a pure heart is one that has a true desire to have a true relationship with God. Now, to keep your heart pure, that requires some openness and some honesty in your relationship with God. Here's the good news about that honesty, though. God desires for us to cast our cares upon him. Now, we do that through openness and honesty in our prayers. Just like the previous beatitude about mercy and judgment, we can rest assured that when we take our obstacles that stand in the way of purity in our hearts to God, we can do so knowing that he's going to extend his grace and he's going to extend his mercy. Let's say that you're in school and you're struggling with math. Now, your friend is doing pretty good in that subject, and he offers to let you just breeze on by and copy their homework. The problem is you feel convicted about stealing that work and claiming it as your own. Now, you know that the short-term short reward here is that you're going to get a decent grade, but your heart also tells you that this is wrong, and you know what's wrong, but you still feel the temptation and you take that work as your own. That conviction that you feel right there, see, that's an indicator of having a pure heart. Now, 
take that temptation and take that to God. And in an impure heart would be a heart that would just take those answers, not feel a thing, and move on without any remorse, any question, or any desire to follow through and do the right thing. A pure heart has to press through and long for the right things in life. Here's the kicker, though. A pure heart will not always do the right thing. It's that conviction, a conviction that you feel even if you end up choosing the wrong option that shows a sign of a pure heart. See, the longing in your heart for forgiveness after you make that bad decision, that's the sign of a pure heart. That goes back to being a merciful heart. We want mercy from God because we seek the purity that he models for us. Just think about reading the Bible for a minute. Sometimes we just don't want to read the Bible. Now, I'm a youth pastor. I'm a worship team member. I'm a substitute preacher, and I'm 100% believer. But even I sometimes struggle, struggle with picking up the Bible and reading from it some days. For some reason, probably laziness, I just don't want to sometimes, and I feel bad about that. And it's that conviction that really shows the sign of a pure heart. Now, one thing about a choice when it comes to those obstacles of purity is the reward that you receive when you choose that right decision is so much greater than if you choose the bad one. In my case, when I overcome that laziness and I pick up the Bible, that scripture really comes to life for me, and my day is so much better because of it. Let's go back to that math example for a second. If you press through and you put the work in and actually learn the material, even if you don't master it, your reward will feel so much better, and you can actually rest easy knowing that you made a decision that was pleasing to God. You know, I remember in high school when I took Algebra 1, it was my freshman year. When we got to the second half of the year, it just quit clicking, and I didn't understand it. I studied it, and I studied it. And as hard as I tried, I just couldn't understand it. And when the grade time came out, I got a C in the subject. Now, I was thrilled because that was the hardest C that I had ever worked for. Now, that's not to say I always choose the right decision. Truth is, I probably choose the wrong decision more times than not, and the outcome is always far less rewarding. But the times I choose the right decision, I put in the work, the result is so much more satisfying, even if it's not the grade I wanted, even if it was a grade like a C. Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 says this, It was in the year of King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty sephirim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. 
Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips, and it said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to the people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Now, Isaiah demonstrates humbleness here by recognizing that he's a sinner in the first place. His sin is acknowledged of his previous wrongdoing and immediately changed when in this vision his lips, his filthy lips, were burnt by coal. This coal and burning here, I think it's really twofold. One, that burn is representing sin, but I think that the coal and the burning is also representing the sin being taken away or forgiveness of that sin so that Isaiah could be sent as a messenger to God. Talking about this vision and this meaning of coal is another subject for another day that we could spend a lot of time on and probably will sometime down the road. But for today's lesson, this is the takeaway about Isaiah's vision. Purity is not about what you've done and purity is not about the sin that your heart is sensitive to. But purity is about what your heart seeks if your heart is seeking God. We have all made sinful mistakes, but our hearts can still be pure. We all have sin and we all have temptation that we battle, but our hearts can still be pure in the process. See, our acts and our works do not necessarily represent our purity. And that's a pretty bold statement to make, so let me make it just a little bit clear. I'm not saying that you get a free pass on being pure or a free pass on sin just because our heart has a sinful nature. But I am saying that overall purity is not judged by one single discrepancy or one single act in our life. See, God forgives, or just like we discussed earlier, demonstrates mercy. When we have a pure heart, God can use those momentary, non-pure acts in our life in some way to glorify him. I'd like for you to think briefly about what issues teenagers face today in regards to remaining pure. You might even want to hit the pause button here and reflect on that for just a second. What issues have you personally or a friend of yours experienced in remaining pure? Is it drugs? Is it sex? Is it alcohol? Those are the common ones, but maybe it's something else. How did you or your friend respond to that? that? Did they give in to that temptation or did they fight with that temptation? Here's the good thing, and this goes hand in hand with mercy as well. And remember this, it's not that single act that defines your purity. Again, 
it's what your heart seeks that defines your purity. And I make a big deal about that because I don't want anyone to think that one mistake in their life loses their salvation or their good standing with God. I also want to make that point because we're all surrounded by people that are dealing with struggles of their own and know that they need we need to extend that mercy to them just like God did to us. When they have that momentary mistake, we need to seek forgiveness and mercy for them to ensure that our hearts remain pure too. So, Just like we do every single week while we're going through these Beatitudes, I'd like to take the time to rewrite this Beatitude in my own words. And I strongly encourage you to do the same thing. And mine would go something like this. God blesses those who are quick to forgive and compassionate to an offender. God blesses those that seek purity by seeking him and not the temptations of this world. Remember, mercy and compassion, those need to come quick. Failure to do this weighs you down with sin, it weighs you down with sadness, and it weighs you down with anger. Also, when it comes to purity, everything else in this world can define pure as being perfect. But when it comes to God and our relationship with God, we remain pure in heart that's measured by how we seek perfection. And that is when our heart seeks the only thing that's perfect, the only thing that demonstrates perfection, and the only thing that we really need to seek, and that is God himself. Hey, stick around, because right after this, we've got a very special guest. We have whom we lovingly refer to as Pops. He is the senior pastor here at Cross Point Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee. He's going to spend some time with Elevate right here on Radio Elevate, and we're going to be right back with Greg Dobler coming up next. Stick around. Hey, Radio Elevate. This is Matt, worship pastor here at Cross Point Church. I hope you're enjoying this lesson. I want to give you an opportunity to give to Radio Elevate, a ministry of Elevate Student Ministries of Cross Point Church. You can text the word GIVE to 423-467-5311. That's 423-467-5311. And you can become a partner with Radio Elevate. Enjoy this lesson. Welcome back to Radio Elevate. So, they always tell you in school, make sure you back up your files. Unfortunately, today, I should have taken a, uh, I should have taken that advice because in the middle of editing this podcast today, the conversation that I had with Senior Pastor Greg Dobler was deleted, and I truly hate it because me and Greg had an excellent conversation that was going to be a fantastic addition to this podcast, and As much as I hate it, they do say that everything happens for a reason. Unfortunately, instead of having a special guest this week, uh, due to a little power surge I had and losing the file about 
mercy and purity when it comes to Greg. I've I found a video from a lady named Allison Lowe, and it's about understanding God's mercy. Today, I'd like to take the time to uh, play the audio for that in place of where the interview with Greg would be. I truly apologize for not having the interview with Greg this week. Uh, hopefully, we can get him back, but still, we really appreciate you listening to Ele- Radio Elevate. Here's Allison Lowe with Understanding God's Mercy. The Bible tells us that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Bible also tells us that God is rich in mercy and that God's mercy endures forever. What does it mean to say God is merciful? God's mercy is a sign of God's love for us. God loves us unconditionally and God wants us to be with Him in heaven. But because we are human with a fallen human nature, we sin, we make mistakes. Sometimes we choose to do bad things. But God is merciful, which means that no matter what we do, God will never stop loving us, and He will forgive us for our sins. God's mercy means that even though we do not deserve to be in heaven, God has made heaven possible for us. What is sin? Sin separates us from God. It is when we choose to do something bad, something that goes against God's will. God has shown us in the Bible and through His church how He calls us to live and what it means to be holy. And when we sin, we turn away from God and how He wants us to live. When we sin, we do not fully love God. But God is merciful, which means that even when we sin and turn away from Him, God continues to call out to us, asking us to come back to Him. Mercy is God loving us even when we do not love Him. If we want to know what it means to say that God is merciful, we can also look to Jesus on the cross. Because of humanity's sinfulness, human beings could not enter heaven. Humanity had rejected God and so the gates of heaven were closed. However, because of God's merciful love, God sent His only Son Jesus to become man. Jesus Christ, true God and true man, walked among us and taught us. And then Jesus loved us so much that He freely offered Himself as a sacrifice on the cross for us. Jesus did this as a love offering to God to pay the debt for all the sins of humanity, past, present, and future. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, humanity was redeemed, which means the debt owed for our sins was paid. When Jesus did this, the gates of heaven were opened. It was now possible for all humanity to once again have access to heaven to be with God forever. This does not mean every person is automatically going to heaven, but for any person who truly loves God, Jesus made it possible for them to be with God forever in heaven. This is mercy. Because of God's mercy, He always offers us grace to help us get to heaven and to help us in difficult times in this life. Because of God's mercy, He promises that He will bring good even out of bad situations for all those who love Him. If we are in pain or sad or suffering, God will bring good out of it if we love Him and trust Him. These good things may only come in the next life but God always keeps His promises. God listens to us, loves us, and wants to help us. Since God is merciful and will always forgive us, does it matter if we sin and disobey God? Does this mean we can live however we wish because God is so loving and merciful? Not at all. Sin does matter. 
How we live has eternal consequences. God loves us and has made heaven possible for us, but when we sin, we disobey God. All sin rejects God and His love in some way, and when we sin gravely, we are rejecting God, His love, and rejecting heaven. If we love God and want to be in heaven forever, we will listen to God, love God, and obey God. It is true that because we are human, we do at times make bad choices and commit sins. When we sin, we disobey God and turn away from Him. Sometimes we do sinful things because they seem fun or exciting, even though we know it is wrong. But God calls us to be holy and virtuous. We need to avoid sin. And what are some examples of sin? The Bible shows us many examples both in the New Testament and Old Testament. We can look to Exodus, the Gospels, and Paul's letters for just some examples. It is a sin to take God's name in vain or to not put God first in our lives. It is a sin to lie, cheat, steal. It is a sin to gossip, to hate other people, to be rude, selfish, disrespectful to others. It is a sin to do drugs, get drunk, to tease people, to be a bully, to talk back to our parents, to be jealous. These are just some examples of sin. When we sin, we are not pleasing God and we are not fully loving God at that moment. In our lives, we will sin many times sadly, but we should always try to do what is right and good. If you are being tempted to sin, pray to God for help. If you do commit a sin, stop what you are doing and immediately pray to God and tell Him you are sorry. Tell God you love Him and do not want to sin again. If we love God, we will hate sin. We will be sad and contrite for what we have done. And for those who love God and repent, God's mercy is so great there is nothing we can do in this earthly life that God will not forgive. However, if a person disobeys God and sins, and does not care if it is wrong or makes excuses as to why their sinful act is okay, they are showing God that they do not truly love Him, or at least that they love themselves more than they love God. Those who are not sorry about their sins are not wanting God's mercy. God cannot be merciful to those who refuse His mercy by continuing to sin. Pope Francis has said, God is merciful and patient. He understands us. He waits for us. He does not get tired of forgiving us if we return to Him sorry for having sinned. A great parable that can help us to clearly understand God's mercy is the parable of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15. There was a man who had two sons, and one day the younger son asked the father to be given all of his inheritance. The son took the money and left home. He then spent all of the money living wildly, doing many sinful things. He enjoyed himself for a while, but then soon had wasted everything. He became homeless without work or money. He does find a job working on a farm with pigs, but eventually realizes how sinful he had been. He decides to return home because he is very sorry for all he has done. When he goes home, his father runs out to meet him, and the son tells his father how sorry he is. His father embraces him and forgives him. He is glad the son has come back. The Bible tells us that while this son was living in sin, he was lost. He was dead to the father. 
This is because the son had left home and abandoned the father, and because he had chosen to live a sinful life. But as soon as the son is sorry for what he has done and goes back to his father repenting, the father has mercy on his son, forgiving him and welcoming him back home. The father says, My son was lost but is now found. He was dead but is now alive again. This is what happens to us when we choose to sin, especially grave sin. We disobey God and walk away from God. We become lost. But as soon as we repent and are sorry for sinning, God has mercy on us and rejoices that we have come back home to Him. Let us never forget how much God loves us and let us try to do what is good and right. But when we sin, let us repent so that God can shower His merciful love onto us. God is rich in mercy. If you are truly sorry, God will always forgive you no matter what you have done in this earthly life. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week on Radio Elevate. Hey, we really hope you had a great time on this week's episode. Hope you learned a lot about mercy. Hope you learned a little something about purity. want to thank Greg Dobler for taking his time to give us an interview, even though it didn't make it onto the podcast. Uh, hopefully we can get Greg on here sometime very soon. I do want to thank Amy Lowe and her YouTube channel for the excellent work that she did providing God and mercy. I want to direct you over that way. Take a look at her, Amy Lowe on YouTube. A lot of great stuff over there. But we're out of time for this week, and we truly thank you for joining us. Until next time, my name's Cody Fair. I'm with Elevate Youth Ministry out of Jonesboro, Tennessee, and Cross Point Church of Jonesboro. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be right back here next week with another episode of Radio Elevate. We'll see you then. Have a great week.